When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. They may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty, but they like to talk about Cardiff City. It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny and not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny. And... This could possibly be the most positive podcast of the season. We're back on the view from the ninny and with two games to discuss with six goals scored, zero goals conceded. Joining me as always, Ben Price, Tom Phillips. Ben Price, how are you? I'm absolutely bloody wonderful. Uh, Tom, how are you? I've certainly been worse, yeah. Very, very good. Good. I'm glad everyone is in high spirits. Let's not mess around. Let's get into the Huddersfield game first. Um, Like I said, two games to discuss looking back over the last week. Huddersfield was last Tuesday away at Huddersfield. Um, I think there's only one place to start with this before we, you know, everyone knows the result, but we will tell you the result as well. But Tom, do you want to tell everyone about your prediction? I do, yeah, definitely. I I saw the team sheet and it just screamed 4-0. It was one of those ones where when, when the team came out, there were so many attacking players on there. We were either going to get thumped or thump someone. It just felt like it, I think, because it was a move away from what we've done in the past. I know we've then played the same 11 against Bristol, but it just felt like, oh, we're going for this. And the last time I predicted we'd win 4-0, we lost 5-2 to Blackburn. So it could have gone either way. But yeah, I, I, I didn't know I could tell the future, but apparently I can. Uh, did you put any money on it? No, of course not. There we go. It's a lesson. I mean, don't gamble is the main lesson. But if you do have a prediction like that, um, do gamble because you might win some money. Um, we're a responsible gambling pod, though, so don't gamble is the main message here, Ben. Um, That's with Skybet on his sleeves. Man, there's the badges <laughs> on the shirt, innit? I, I didn't ask for this. Um, you literally did. You bought it and then yeah. got them put on. Yeah, I did, actually. Yeah, fair <laughs> um, anyway, so that's distracting me. Um, if you have been in living under a rock, obviously we beat Huddersfield 4-0 away at Huddersfield. Uh, four goals coming in the first 55 minutes. And then we just kind of went, fuck it, let's take our foot off the pedal a little bit. Um, ben, Tom's touched upon it already, but um, it was a very attacking team put out by Errol Bullet, wasn't it? Um, obviously, Robbo came in um, and Mate started up front as well. Um, he set his stall out, didn't he? And and the team repaid him. Yeah, look, the the Wintel experiment TM um, seems to have come to an end and it paid off, didn't it? We're, it was changes we all wanted to see. And I don't think anyone expected it to sort of work as quickly as it did, but happy days that it came off. It did. It did indeed. Um, Tom, obviously, um, the, the kind of big talking point was um, Callum Robertson coming in for his first, I think, first start of the season in the league anyway. Um, I, I could be wrong on that front. Um, I know he, I think he started against Blackburn in the Cup. Um, there was obviously a lot of talk about him in the build-up to the game. There was a lot of talk the week before with Bullet saying that Robbo knows what he needs to do and what he expects from him. And he obviously scored very early on with a cheeky back heel. Um Obviously, Robbo's a talented footballer, but how nice was it that he actually repaid the faith in him that Bullet put in him? Because often these things happen, the game goes by with a whimper, but but Robbo really put in a performance, didn't he? Oh, for sure. And, you know, I think credit to Bullet, again, it shows that he's judged that character right. He knows how to put, you know, get him motivated, and it worked. And fair play to Robbo for reacting, because it's a lovely little dink. I know, like, the defender makes a bit of a meal of it because he's not expecting it, but... You know, it's a great way to start the game and he did put a shift in because he could easily have sulked. He could have easily thought, you know, I, I'm going to throw my toys at the pram, sit in the bench and just not play. But he he didn't. He rolled up his sleeves and he put in a hell of a performance, not just in the Huddersfield game, but he, he was decent against Bristol as well. But 
that's what we want. We want people fighting for those places now. You know, that's what we've got this season that we didn't last season was depth. And Robinson's a, a prime example of those players that we can bring in after being in the wilderness for a few weeks and have an impact. And Bullet spoke about it, didn't he? He said, like, about the meeting afterwards, it was a meeting full of laughs. Yeah. It's Again, it was... Uh, you got COVID three times, Callum. That was funny, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, remember not taking those jabs? Oops. Yeah. What do you like? All of oh, that. Classic all, all those fun things came up. But just... <sighs> It's just a weird thing that people got so hit up about it. Like Bullet's not an amateur at this. He's he's managed some very high profile players out in Turkey. He knows what he's doing. And then for everyone to be like, oh, it's poor man management, blah, blah, blah. It's not. He knows what he's doing. He's proven that again. I think it's if there's anyone that was doubting him, there's no need to right now, is there? I think it just show, it just shows what an astute guy he is really obviously he's not he's not going into his press conferences and revealing things that people don't know behind the scenes there would be con- you know it, he's he's obviously in constant dialogue with his players and he's instilling in a, a way of playing within them if Robinson hasn't done it yet so far this season then he's shown in that game that he's learning what to do and it might not be the perfect performance but he obviously scored early on and, and it's going to have benefits for the team I think Bullet is showing that he can manage the team but also man-manage perfectly and I think that's, re- that's something we haven't had over the last couple of seasons Morrison couldn't man-manage Hudson couldn't team manage. Um, even going back to kind of Harris, really, Harris could man manage but couldn't team manage. And, and now we've got someone who's astute to doing both. And I think that's the difference, really. It's the team um, where he speaks about it as well. Yeah. Because I think the different people He's trying direct. to sort of raise comparisons between what Morrison did that we sort of dug him out for with Isaac Davis and with the stuff with Cole and Robinson. But it's a totally different way of going about it. There was no aggression in what Bullet said, there was no sort of digging players out. It was cl- clearly and calmly explaining what's expected and what he wants, and that therein lies the difference for me. And also, he didn't embarrass the guy; he didn't like hook him off like he, you know, Morrison did that. He would embarrass players by hooking them off before half time or bringing them on and taking them off again. Like Bullets just gone. This is what you need to do. Here's an hour to go and do it at Huddersfield, and and Robinson did it, which shows that the relationship they have, and it shows that Robinson isn't kicking his toys out the pram. He's just he's just getting on with the job. Um. Tom, the second goal came not shortly after. Uh, I think it was about 13 minutes. Um, that man again, uh, 12 minutes, sorry. Gutas with another header. Two headers in two games, albeit one was disallowed against Blackburn. Um, broadly, I mean, how good has Gutas been this season? I think there were some question marks over him early on in the season, but he's become probably our most consistent defender um, uh, at the back. Yeah, I think he's leading the league in interceptions and things like that. And how great is it that we're dangerous from set pieces again? Yeah, he's been brilliant because I think I was one of the ones who was kind of That's not why questioning. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that. Um, you know, we were saying that he had a mistake in him, and I still think he lives. You were saying he had a mistake. In I him. was saying I was saying that he's got a mistake <laughs> in him. Um, and that, that's why he gets the most interceptions. Or he, he does fly out of the line. He nicks the ball off people and stuff like that. But he has been an absolute man mountain at the back. And like you said, he's a threat from set pieces now. But the whole of our back line now, and suddenly mm. I, I don't know what's happened to Rawls. But like his delivery is absolutely on point now. now. Yeah, and it, it's just I think we said it last pod. It's so it's great now that when we've got a corner, we've got excitement and not thinking oh we're about to give the ball back to the opposition again. Like we we are a genuine threat from set pieces now, free kicks, corners, and it's just another outlet. You know we've got various ways of playing, and that's another string to our bow. And Gutas, McGuinness as well, and NG are deadly in the box at the moment. So it's great. Like it, everything's going so well. Um, and all the things we were atrocious at last year, we seem to be great at this season, so no complaints. But yeah, Gutas is part of that. McGuinness is even good when he doesn't even realise he's meant to head the ball like he was at Sunderland, where he just ran into it and it went in. Um, Ben, uh, it was all Cardiff in the first half. Um, You know, I think we could sense that another goal was coming, and it was um, the smiling assassin up front, Yaku Meite, um, who got his first goal for the club. Um, obviously, it bobbled around in the box a little bit, but I suppose the question for you is, how hard do you think he hit that ball? I reckon it's got to be knocking on like 60, 70 miles per hour on it. He's properly putting the bastard that. Yeah. I like the um, even, even in the front, like little French accent, he's got have it. <laughs> we have it. Um, uh, how pleased were you for you? Uh, how pleased were you for him to get his first goal? Obviously, he battles hard. We'll talk about the Bristol game shortly, where he just um, you know was a nuisance all game. But he's come close a few times. But obviously, it was important for him to break that duck, wasn't it? Yeah, he's worked really hard. I think like there was doubts about his fitness when he came in, but he's clear he's clearly overcome all those. 
um, and seems like such a likable bloke. Like the personality and everything with him, it just makes you want it. You want him to succeed and really do well. So oh, I was delighted when he scored. I had a proper smile on my face, not just because we were battering them, but like seeing who it was as well. So it just made it feel like a little bit better. It's just a real nice moment. Yeah, he seems to be developing a really nice rapport with the fans. Obviously, after the Bristol game, we'll talk about that shortly. He doing the Ayatollah and, and, you know, kind of geeing up the fans and bringing them back down. It's really fun to see. Um, Tom, you know, went in at halftime, 3 0 up. We think we're in dreamland. And then 10 minutes into the second half, um, we've already touched upon him already, but Perry NG um, stepped up again with another beautiful free kick. Um, he just hit it so cleanly, didn't he? Like, it doesn't even get that high to go over the wall either. It's it, it's perfect. It, it's so controlled. Like, it looks less impressive than some free kicks because it hasn't got in the top corner, but it doesn't need to be that precise the way he hits it. Like, it's such a good free kick. And it looked like, you know, the the new the newbies in the squad, I don't think they realised what he'd done last season with the free kick because it was a bit of, like, who's taking this? And then was like, I'm taking this free kick. And then he proved why. Because it's a hell of a strike. Like... I don't know why he's taken him, was it, eight years into his career for him to realise he can do it. But by God, it's a, it's a, it's a weapon. Now we've got it. it. It, I just, again, it's just exciting. We're standing over free kicks thinking we might score them now. That wasn't happening for so long either. But Perry NG has just been absolutely fantastic this season. Like, he, he's probably our player of the season so far. He's been unbelievable in nearly every game so far. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk more about the overall performance. Obviously, he scored again in the Bristol game. Almost scored a free kick in the Bristol game, and was probably our best defender again in the Bristol game. Um, ben, obviously, at four 0 you can forgive the team dropping off a little bit. I think Huddersfield hit the bar in the second half, forced Almwick into a couple of saves, but we stayed resolute. We didn't concede. Um, obviously, after losing to Blackburn um, uh, um, and obviously conceding um, against Watford in the previous game, how important was it to keep that clean sheet? Yeah, it was huge. It kind of felt like you only play FIFA and you set it to like not quite park for the bus, but ultra defensive. It felt like they just sort of did that to sort of try and make it a training drill. It was really strange how like how we switched off and sort of let them have the ball. But um, yeah, we deserved that clean sheet. They were just rock. So it was never in doubt. It's sort of it's a weird feeling watching us defend and sort of being there going, that's pretty comfortable. That's quite nice. But it's like a great threat. We've all, we've already we've already learned from earlier in the season, right? Because obviously Leeds, Ipswich, even in the early Carabao Cup games, it just felt like the other team were going to score at some point because we would try to sit back. Now we're able to sit back and actually keep them out, aren't we, Ben? Yeah, it does help that Huddersfield were absolutely dog shit. I will yeah. I will caveat with that that they are well they were woeful. They seem to improved on the weekend, but not by much. Um, <laughs> they scored a goal. They scored, yeah. It's um. It's against a poor team, but that's a huge bonus. That and it's sort of away from home to come away with such a dominating attacking performance and defend like we did, where they had a couple of chances. It was like Almwick was alert and sort of there for everything, and just every defender seemed to know what they were doing. Well drilled, well disciplined. The line was good. It's just massively encouraging seeing that things are really clicking. Players are properly understanding their roles in this team now, and sort of all together and like a really harmonious squad. It's interesting when you look at Huddersfield's results. They were unbeaten until the third of October, so they were unbeaten in in a month until the third of October when they lost to Birmingham four one. Then they drew nil nil with Sheffield Wednesday, lost to QPR two one, then lost to us four nil, and they lost to Leeds four one. So they're either drawing games or losing by four goals, basically. Um, I, I think it was an important win because I think Darren Moore's gone in. I think people had high hopes for Darren Moore. Um, I think Darren Moore was a good manager at Sheffield Wednesday, but whether he can do it at Huddersfield, I don't know. But it was important for us to go somewhere and put put a team to the sword. Um, and Tom, it felt like so many players on the night just played well. We've already talked about NG. Alnwick kept a clean sheet. Gutas scored and was important in the clean sheet. Rawls um, ran the midfield. We had Bowler back on, on the wing. Robbo put in that performance. And Siopis, obviously, is Siopis, so has a good performance every game. It just... It felt like the first real complete performance of the season, didn't it? Or maybe not first complete performance, but after a few games in a lull, it felt like another complete performance. It probably, to be honest, it probably is like our first complete performance. I think, like from start to finish, I think we showed you know the attacking intent, put a big lead in, you know, consolidated it after half time, and then resolute defending, like a different way of playing, you know, throwing ourselves in front of the ball, last ditch blocks and stuff like that. I thought we were brilliant, and but then you know the likes of Bowler coming back in. 
showing what he can do, beating a man. But it, it still felt like we left like three or four goals out there. You know, I think Bowler missed a couple of like pretty easy chances, which he'll be, well, he was visibly frustrated at. But, you know, that is really clutching the straws to find like negatives in it. I thought we were absolutely brilliant from the start of the game to the, to the finish. And, you know, it's a really important game to go to a place like Huddersfield and, you know, get a result like that. We, we wouldn't have done that last season. You know, we, we, and like, I don't know, it was just a midweek game. It's an absolute slog for the fans and stuff as well. Like, I think our fans deserve that after a couple of seasons of just miserable, miserable football. So it's just an absolutely fantastic result all around. Right, moving on to the Bristol City game, obviously the second derby of the season, the seven-side derby at the CCS. Um, and Cardiff won that game 2-0. Um, ben, obviously, after the Huddersfield game, um, he largely kept the same team. I think it was basically the same team uh, for the Bristol game. Yeah, it's a vote of confidence in all the players, isn't it? And it shows that we're, we're getting to a stage where we have a consistent sort of core of the team who are starting every game, doesn't it? Yeah, he's been quite good with that. I think for the most part, he's been quite, well, my fan hub sort of fan five points we pick the team sort of show he's been quite easy to predict the lineup um he's been pretty good players in form keep their place and those that are sort of on the wane if there's someone ready to come in he's been doing that so yeah you cut there's no, i didn't think there was any chance of him changing the team too much other than injuries i think the one was bowler possibly because he took a knock but he seemed fine and yeah it showed that he was delighted with the Huddersfield performance and he had to be didn't you yeah, I mean, it would, it would take a cruel man to pick any holes in that performance. Um, Tom, I mean, the first half passed out, passed uh, first sort of thirty minutes of the game passed by with much, without much really happening. But we dominated the game, didn't we? In the first half, we we dominated the ball, we dominated the possession, we passed it around really well. Um, it was just a really positive performance in that first half, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I didn't. I don't think we created too much, but no, we did. We, but we just controlled we, the ball. Yeah, definitely. And you know, Bristol have got one of the better kind of defensive records in the league this year as well, despite being kind of probably a bit disappointing. Like their fans would say, it's been a disappointing season. But you know, they they're hard to break down, and we were patient. You know, we kept the ball. We limited them to you know a few shots from distance. But you know, I think. We've been good in those games where we've been, you know, catching people on the break and stuff like that. These are the games where sometimes we're tested a bit more. People who are below us in the league, where they come with a game plan, sit and let us have the ball. But yeah, we were patient and we eventually got that breakthrough. So yeah, no complaints about that first half. I thought, you know, especially in a derby game like that, I thought we uh, we managed the first half uh, very, very well. Um, ben, the breakthrough came on the 33rd minute. Um, NG again with an great header. Um, it was always nice to see a goalkeeper come forward and score for a corner, isn't it? I'm not sure what he was doing there in the 33rd minute, but we'll, we'll allow it to happen. Um, we've kind of already touched upon it, but just how good has NG been this season? Um, I know he's getting a few plaudits from from uh, outside, of, you know, uh, a few of the podcasts are saying that he's probably been our better player of the season, but... He's really, you know, there were concerns over him going back from a CB to a right back role last season after playing in the three. But if anything, he's got better, hasn't he? Yeah, it's weird how he can be thrown about all about the pitch in different positions and still be class in all of them. But like, not sort of like in a John O'Shea where he'll do a job in all those positions. He excels. Yeah. (laughs) He was one of our better centre halves last year slotted back into right back and has stepped it up again. He's just getting better. And I feel like the coaching and sort of proper management around him is really making the most out of like, we were really excited when he came in, he came to the club and sort of that from January onwards, when he came in, um, was it under McCarthy? No, it was Harris, wasn't it? He just signed for Harris. Yeah. He signed for Harris and then we sacked him. Sacked him like a few days later. So like, he came in under like difficult circumstances, became like a really popular player there, sort of first choice straight away. Um, dropped off a bit last year at times, sort of wasn't quite what we were expecting, but I think that's just the whole club. But no one sort of sums up the rise of this squad more than him and sort of just how good he's been this year. Properly taken it to that next level. And January's genuinely worrying me a bit because I think like you look at someone like Luton or Burnley or something like that, they, they're going to be looking at what players are out there that would strengthen their team. And he'd do a job for either of those. Why are you saying this, Ben? I'm just, it's Vin- worrying me. Vincent Company listens to this podcast religiously. Um, and you could have just given him an idea now. 
Um, he probably does. He probably listens to about six million podcasts. That's what he yeah. does. He doesn't switch off that bloke. No, he's an absolute football freak. Um, Tom, do you worry about NG going? Just to kind of touch what Ben said there. Um, obviously, he signed a new contract. We've, we've, we, you know, we've got him locked in. He seems really bought into the project. Bullet seems really behind him. Surely, you wouldn't go somewhere, you know, Luton now when you can stay at Cardiff. Tell you what, it's been a long time since we've had a conversation about someone coming after our players. Yeah, like, like genuinely, like it's been an absolute age. But I don't really worry. I think because we've had this embargo, we haven't spent money, and everyone's kind of tipping that we we might spend a little bit in January. I can't see us letting players go unless it's like astronomical amounts. Yeah, I, I hope I'm not like shooting ourselves in the foot a little bit here, but like it doesn't feel like we're going to lose players. Then I think if anything, we're going to build. But if if they're going to come after anyone who would be someone like him because he's just so versatile. And I think his attitude is brilliant. Like, you know, there's the quotes on the BBC website of him saying, we're actually quite disappointed where we are in the league after the Huddersfield game. You know, he said, oh, we could look back and, and some results and we've thrown a few points away. You know, if you've got... Some, I, I, I love that attitude. You, you know, he's not he's not content of where we are in the league. He sees us being in loftier. And I think... He just kind of sums up that attitude that we've got. The likes like him, Siopis, Rawls as well, McGuinness. Like, they, they're winners. And winners you win. Tell they were, they were, you could tell they were frustrated last year, you know, the likes of Rawls and NG. And uh, yeah, you, you want to keep those characters around the squad. So I, I'd be very, very surprised if we did lose him. Um, Tom, the second half was a bit of a drop in quality. It became quite a scrappy game in the second half. Um did you worry at any point that Bristol were going to come back into it? I mean, not much really happened in the second half that I remember. Um, it was kind of a very scrappy kind of game that all took place in the middle of the park. But did you think Bristol were going to get the chance to get back into it? I think while it was at 1-0, you always think that, don't you? And especially watching Cardiff when, you know, we've thrown away four goal leads in the past. So you've always got that nagging doubt in the back of your mind. And with it being a derby game as well, they had a... They had a big fan base there as well. You you never know. But that's just my own lack of confidence. They never looked like they were going to come back into the game. You've you've just got that seed of doubt in the back of your mind. Again, I thought we managed the game fairly well. We, yet we dropped in quality. But like we said mm-hmm. this earlier in the season, there's games where we like like the Ipswich game, like people were saying that, you know, we play a lot worse and win games. This was probably yeah. an example of it. You know, we, we played worse than we have done in other games this season. But they didn't really threaten. And then we eventually finished them off. So, yeah, no complaints. Um, before we get to um, the, the Colwell moment, shall we say, which I think we'll, we'll spend a lot of time talking about, um, then it was it was nice to see the substitutions make a difference, wasn't it, in this game? Um, obviously, Robbo's first back-to-back starts in a few weeks, it was obvious that he was going to come off at some point. He came off for um, Colwell, obviously, who came in and changed the game. Um, Mate battled hard in the first half, but Ugbo came on. Ugbo gave us something slightly different up front, a lot of running, a lot of legs. And obviously Wintle came in for Riles and Wintle was back in his normal position, kind of sitting at the base of a midfield rather than trying to be the 10. Um, it showed the importance of our squad, doesn't it? And it also showed us that we do have depth in that squad, doesn't it? Because the substitutions came on and, and had an impact. Yeah, I think like you look at something like Ugbo who's not really made much of an impact starting games recently. Coming on the way he did, it, it was ideal really he just became a bit of a batter and ram and just sort of like he's still not the best at holding the ball up and there was still stuff bouncing off him but it just did what it needed to the changes fresh he gave the defender up. something to think about as well didn't he it, yeah it's it slightly different from Mate. completely different it's it, it would in the nicest way he's not as good of a footballer he's not as easy to sort of predict and defend against in, in certain ways so it challenged it there winter for rolls is a really really nice sort of midfield choice you've got a player back in his natural position sort of well the role is definitely a lot more comfortable in anyway and then young energetic Colwell coming on it shows that when on form there's depth there and sort of the team's got a bit more structure about now that I think everyone's a bit more comfortable with the formations there the styles there now we've got players that sort of throughout that sort of highlight the depth in each of those positions as well um, let's talk about the Colwell goal. Um, obviously, it didn't come into the 91st minute, but it was um, absolutely the icing on the cake. Everyone's seen it, but if you haven't, um, for all the world, it looked like he was taking it into the corner, cutting from the left into in between two Bristol defenders and absolutely belted it home. Um, Tom, when he picked up the ball there, 
what was your first thought? Did you just think, take it to the corner, just hold it there for wind the clock down? Or did you think that he was shaping up to do something a bit more? No, I didn't think he'd be shaping up to do something more. I think, you know, he hadn't scored in what, 19 months? So it's not someone who's gone eye for goal. Scored earlier in the season. In, in the league. Yeah. There you go. In the league. Correcting myself. Get facts right. Sorry. Um, yeah, I, I I wouldn't say he's riding a wave of confidence at the moment. So I thought he was just going to hold the ball up. But I, I couldn't work out what he'd done at first. I don't know how he got it through that gap. You see him move his legs and they pop through there. I said, no. I watched it like four or five times, still couldn't work it out. So I do feel a bit sorry for his defenders. But there's that clip as well from the crowd. And you can see like people with their hands on their head as soon as he does that little clip through. And then when he hits it, like it's still rising when it hits the roof of the net. Yeah. And it just it's just an upward trajectory flying. Like if it doesn't hit the net, it feels like it's going to break through the back of the stand. Like it, I haven't seen someone hit the ball that hard since, well, mate did the game before. But... I like I don't know it's just it's some goal and again like the Robbo effect from the Huddersfield game bullet you know giving him almost an ultimatum you need to pick up your performance it's just the ideal thing for Colwell to do at that stage of the game you know he's proven why he's in and around the squad and why people hold him in such high regard it's an unbelievable finish um Ben let's talk about his footwork in the corner and then we can spend some more time talking about the finish um it, I, I've tried. To, I've, I've watched it a few times. It's it's quite a, a cheeky bit of skill that he does because he kind of does a step over with his right foot, while or, or kind of nudges it towards his left foot, does a step over, and then dinks it in between the two defenders. It's it's quite a dazzling piece of footwork, isn't it? In in such a tight area. Yeah, it's something that anyone that's not talented tried to do. They'd end up falling I'd fall over. Or, yeah, like it's yeah. it's a twisted ankle. It's a tripped away knee. But somehow yeah. for him, it's the build up to a wonderful goal. Um, he's talented, isn't he? He's really talented. It's, it's also really interesting that he's he's basically six foot five, and he's doing that with his feet. Like the ball is so far away from his head, yet he's able to connect the two. Yeah, he's what if he's, if he's six five? So he's what an inch or two shorter than Peter Crouch. And Peter Crouch, for like the best will in the world, wasn't the best with his feet. Sort of like skillful controls. He was sort of very much more striking. The ball was good, but to do that and. Like Tom said, like how he managed to get the ball through that gap yeah. and then somehow got himself through there as well without sort of completely crushing the other two lads is beyond me because Cole was huge. Like yeah. you said, 6'5", he's got a lot more stockier now. He's sort of filled out quite nicely. Um, for him to get through that gap is just ridiculous, but with the ball as well, just, yeah, it was, it was the start and sort of, it's the gasp when you've got the all the crowd going, oh, at that one second, it is a lovely, lovely thing. I think it's, it's like Beauty and the Beast, isn't it? Because he does the skill and then he bulldozes his way through. Um, I've looked him up on Wikipedia just to see how tall he actually is. According to Wikipedia, he's six six. And if what? you look at the photo, if you look at it's the photos, five six on my Wikipedia. Five. Does, but, when you, but when you click into his thing, it says six six. When you click into his actual profile, and if you look Hang at the team photo, five foot six. Are you saying Ruben Cole was five foot six? No, no, no. I'm saying some idiot on the internet has said he's five foot six. <laughs> it does. But if you look, if you look at the photo, if you look at the team photo, he's taller than McGuinness, and McGuinness is a tall fucker. Like they stood next to each other. Him, McGuinness, and Gutas are at the back, and there's like Colwell is taller than McGuinness. McGuinness is slightly taller than Gutas. Um, he, Tom, you can find this on the Twitter. Ben, I'll come back to you um, about the finish because Tom's already given his thoughts on it. Um, I just don't think I've seen a player strike a ball so cleanly. Obviously, we're talking about NG's free kick, but in that instance, he just hit it so cleanly, didn't he? Like the backspin on the ball, the rising on the ball. It's got it's past the keeper before he can react. Yeah, he's got no chance. It's not one of those ones where sort of he shouldn't be beaten there. That if he puts his hands in front of that, he's losing his hands. He's yeah. going, if he tries catching that ball, he's going with the ball into the top of the stands. And what I really enjoyed is, like, you know you've hit a ball well and you've proper caught it. Like Tom said, he's rifled into the roof and that is where the hinges are, sort of the plastic bit, it just lifts up. Yeah. I really, really enjoy seeing that. And that's when you proper know you've proper hit a Thunder Bastard with that. Um, yeah, it's, and it's, there's a lot of compact, like a lot of people saying about like the Ryan Giggs goal in '99, and I can see that because it was very similar, sort of foot through it right into the roof beyond the keeper. Admittedly, there's a bit of a difference between the uh, Bristol City goalkeeper and David Seaman. Uh, Tom, you're very quiet during that segment. There, were you able to find a photo of Ruben Colwell to verify whether he's five foot six or six foot six? 
I, I can see he's tall. That's as far as I can get with it. I can't heights. There's nothing on the club's like first team page about it. So I'm just gonna have to believe you that he's. What do you reckon? Six or five? You reckon he is? Well, if you look at the photo, the team photo that they put on Twitter, him and McGuinness are at the back. I know McGuinness is six four, six five, and Colwell is taller than him. There we go. Then that's all the evidence I need. Until a club reach out to me personally to tell me his height, I'll have to go along with that. All right. Um, if anyone from the club is listening, can someone text Tom and tell him how tall Ruben Colwell is? Um, Tom, come back to you on on the Colwell goal. Um, it felt like he needed that, didn't he? Um, obviously, he's been very stop-start since he's come into the team, been dealing with growing pains, been dealing with injuries, everything, really. Um, it was his first home goal in the league, which is an amazing thing to consider, bearing in mind he scored away at Nottingham Forest, the QPR and all that kind of stuff. And it's going to give him a huge confidence boost, isn't it? Yeah, massive. Like, he only scores massive goals as well. Like, the, the Nottingham Forest one, the QPR one, QPR this one, one as well. Like, yeah, it's, it's a big momentum builder for him. You know, he... He's had his problems. He picked up his form, you know, for the under tw- Wales under twenty ones. He put in a couple of shifts in the Carbol Cup for us as well with a couple of goals. So he was due one in the league. But it feels like a lot of big moments have happened over the last couple of weeks now. You know, with Matey kind of, you know, breaking his duck, Robbo reacting, this as well. They're all happening at the right moments. You know, the momentum is building now, and a couple of games going into another international break. If you can keep this going with moments like this for players like Colwell. You know, we're we're in a fantastic position, but I, I'm absolutely thrilled for him because, you know, I think we've we've all had doubts about him, and you, you see some people saying, "Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if Colwell wasn't here," in a, you know, by the end of the season, even though he signed a contract and stuff. And you can kind of get with the frustration with some of our fans is coming from because, you know, he kind of burst onto the scene and hasn't really followed it up consistently. But I'm hoping now this is the beginning of you know a consistent run for him in the team and a lot more goals as well. Um. Ben, I'll come to you on the final point um, because I know your your love of uh, Bristol City managers getting sacked. Um, Nigel Pearson wasn't the most gracious man in defeat. Um, he wasn't very complimentary about us, saying that we weren't one of the best teams in the league, all this kind of stuff. Um, but then he got sacked. So how funny is that? It's very funny. Like His whole comments at full time, he was like a proper, like annoyed, like when you're being told off for something you've not done, like, I didn't do it. That's not true. Yeah. It was the most petulant, the way he was sat back in his chair, like the arrogant prick he is. But I know he's got health issues going on and stuff and all of that, and that's a shame. I hope, hope he does well. But he's also a bellend. So. What I will say is that the Bristol fans seemingly in unison are quite angry about his sacking. Um, obviously, he's been dealt a, a bit of a dub hand this summer um, uh, uh, um, with the selling of Alex Scott. They haven't really signed anyone didn't start the season particularly badly. It's not like Lee Johnson, who is a slug, um, Ben. I would just want to defend Pearson on that front. Yeah, but he is an ostrich. He is an ostrich. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember that quote. Um, right, moving on to Twitter. Obviously, positivity continues on Twitter. Uh, Mark Carter, Huddersfield apart, maybe. Are we doing really well without getting out of the lower gears? We don't seem to be blowing teams away, but we are really efficient at doing this. Are we going to see the higher gears, or is this bullet style? Um, Tom, it feels like we've already moved through some gears this season, haven't we? Because, you know, Leeds at the start of the season, we were really good for half an hour, then took our foot off the gas completely. Ipswich, there were moments we were really good. QPR, we never got going. Like, it feels like bullet is just building us in a methodical way, doesn't it? Yeah, I'd say so. I don't think you can say Huddersfield aside, we haven't got out of the the low gears because... We've got, you know, we, we beat a team 4 0 away from home. I don't think you could just ignore it. I think yeah. that's a bit harsh. But I do get the point, though. There are some games where it does feel like we've got more to give. Like we touched on it with like Bowler earlier on. I think like he could be more clinical, for example. I think Callum Grant has played well in like patches and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, we, we do seem to be now building towards more complete performances and not like just purple patches during games. So, yeah, I do completely get the point. And I think that is the most exciting thing. You know, you, like we said, NG saying he reckons we could be higher in the league. If the squad have got that belief and we've still got gears to go through, then hopefully there's only positive things coming down the road for the rest of this season. Um, benefactor, NG, best fullback in the league at the moment. Is he the best business we've done in years? £350,000 initially. Um, ben, when you consider that he was signed at the same time as um, a certain Max Waters, um, do you think that NG 
I mean, his value's shot up, hasn't it? Three hundred fifty thousand pounds. He's gone ten times that value now, hasn't he? Yeah, you'd like to think so. But with our board, the way they negotiate some deals, he could be sold for fifty p in a pack of crisps. Not, is it ten times the value? Am what, I saying three, that right? Three and a half mil. Yeah, three and a half mil. Yeah. I, 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 I don't think that I think I'd be quite disappointed with the form he's in currently. If that sort, of, if he went for that sort of fee, I'd be a bit disappointed. You look at some of the fees that other teams have got for players that aren't playing anywhere near as well as he is. He's still mm. young as well. He's he's twenty six. Twenty six, yeah. Like there's still still a lot of good years left in him. He's just coming to sort of like not far off his peak now. So look, and he's a shit house in Scouts, and we know from Lee Peltier they go on for years. They don't stop. He so, scored at the weekend, Lee Peltier, so let's hope for a sort. He scored a few this season, didn't he? Yeah, considering he doesn't score goals. Um, Gareth Davis, high five for Ruben next time I see him at, next time I see him out on the jog in Neath. Hope this is the start of his second coming. And unlike the Stone Roses versions, we don't have to wait for five years. Tim Byrne says, happy days. Lovely goal from Ruben, but he still looks a bit lost in the game. He's not the Messiah, etc. I'm not expecting much in January because the players won't be there. How do you feel? Um Tom, January's coming around. Um, do you expect us to go big? Do you expect us just to kind of top the squad off with a new striker that we keep hearing about? Yeah, I don't agree we've got absolutely wild, but we'll definitely build on it. I think the one thing we were hoping for is that we were in the mix, so we give the board, you know, the board an excuse an to spend a bit of money. Yeah, an incentive. Let's go away, put it. Like, if we were languishing down in 18th, we weren't getting investment. You know, we're not going to be bringing in a star striker to end the season then, but we've set ourselves up nicely now to bring in a couple of players, build on that squad. Because, you know, we've, we have got injuries at the moment, you know, and we're still performing. So we're in a good we're in a good place. When they start to come back, add a couple more faces in, I can only see us you know, add into the ranks. Um, I hope I'm saying his name right. Fila BJ. Colwell should have squared, <laughs> squared the ball to Christ. F-I-L-A, BJ, that's his Twitter name. Colwell should have squared the ball to Grant, who was totally unmarked in the middle of the box. Only kidding. James C. Roberts, all feeling very positive. Special mention for the Yak. How good has he been for us? So it seems when he plays, we play. Keeps the ball well and gets us up the pitch. I think in January we need more. That's spelled M-O-O-R-E. Yak-style players to make sure we can keep going. I wonder what he's getting out there. Uh, Reese Spear, who is the most valuable signing this season so far? He's given it to Gutas, popping up with important goals, giving solid performance at the back, and he's clearly just a top hope. Saw him give his shirt to a kid after Huddersfield game. She walked out bouncing. Class, shout out to Jamie Anderson for getting that shirt for his daughter, Sienna. Um, ben, who's your most valuable signing so far this season? I, I mean, we we did sign Aaron Ramsey this summer. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> so, but I'm taking this in the sense of, MVP is who's having the biggest effect so far this season. Ramsey had an effect, but he has been injured for the last sort of few games. So who's had the most impact from being a signing this summer? I still think it's Ramsey. I still think like what he brings on and off the pitch lifts the standards so high and the expectations and experience from those players is massive. So I still think like Gutas has been unbelievable, really happy with him, Siopis, delighted with him, but it's still on and off the pitch, Aaron Ramsey will be the biggest factor in this club going forward for the next couple of years. Tom? Yeah, it's hard to disagree. I think last season... I disagree. We, we, were, we were solid, fairly solid at the back last season. So I, it's not like kind of Gutas is like, like, has resolved something as such. Do you mean it wasn't our biggest problem? Where I think cre- creatively, that's where we've lacked. So I think, yeah, the Ramsey one as well... Once you sign him, it brings in a different calibre of player, brings a different belief around the camp. But I think the impact it has off the field is arguably bigger than on. And I think you can't really look past that when when you're looking at the biggest signing for us this season. I'm going to go Siopis. I think Siopis enables a lot of the way we play by his breakup play in the midfield, by him just getting the ball and giving it to someone else to do better by also being good on the ball. I understand what you guys are saying, but I'm going purely on what's happening on the pitch at the moment. And I think Did you see Siopis, the one thing at the Huddersfield game? He's limping around. He's on a yellow card. He still said, don't take me off, don't take me off. He's a fucking G. <laughs> man's a G. Head. Just absolutely. <laughs> his wife is white with him. You'd be knackered, wouldn't you? Well, so his wife, I was about to say, his wife posted, um, um, they went to Kevin Mabley Farm at the weekend. Um, and she posted a photo, um, a video, sorry, of Siopis running around. And they said, let's go to the farm for the babies, he said. And he's <laughs> running around, having the best time of his life. He's just posted a photo of, of him in, in, in his house, just dressed up for Halloween. The guy's an absolute G. Um, Stephen I bet Prince, he doesn't even rather, know it's Halloween. 
No. <laughs> He's just seen those in Wilco and gone, yeah, that'll do. Yeah, I love those. Wilco shut, mate. Yeah, don't bring it up. Oh, Stefan yeah. Prince, rolls delivery from a corner this season, four assists already, keep them coming, captain. Um, Tim Burns, second greedy question. There's always something to worry about. Bullet must be on other clubs' radars. It's a concern, as a few, as it will a few of our players. Contract positions are better. Do you think we lose some in the summer if we're still in the championship? Tom, do you? There's always going to be player turnover, but Bullet's shown that he can sign players, right? So, if we lose some players, surely it's just trusting Bullet if he stays that we can sign better ones. Are we really going to discuss what we're going to lose in the summer? Now we're still in October. There, there are listeners, Tom. There are. I'm questions. asking that. I'm asking that. They can't really respond to me. I realise this. It's not like a live format. But no, like, let's not get too carried away with all yet. But yeah, obviously, if our players, you know, carry on performing and we do finish fifth and don't go up in the playoffs, we will lose a couple. But yeah, I think you have got a point. Like, we've signed players without any money this season and have made a good job of it. So I trust. Bullet, you know, and his, his backroom staff and the network that he's got to bring people in. In terms of losing Bullet as well, I don't think people are going to come sniffing around just yet. I think yeah. he have to get you know, his, you have to get us promoted for that to happen. I think. I, I think like yeah, and you know, obviously we absolutely adore him because we watch Cardiff week in week out. Other people aren't giving us that much attention yet. If it carries on building, then maybe. But I'm not worried about losing losing Errol just yet. I think it's the hipster style, isn't it? Bullet's not quite sort of... If we were playing like Burnley were last year, I'd be a bit more concerned. It's not really got the thing that sort of the prim- other clubs are sort of looking for in a way, in a weird way, if that makes sense. Like it's not quite the sort of as heavily possession-based sort of like modern football style. It's a lot more progressive than we've got, but it's not sort of like... It's above- pragmatic. It's yeah. pragmatic. Yeah. Also, I mean... It- the long shot is how many managers actually go from a championship to Premier League clubs anymore. Like a lot of them come from abroad. I mean, a lot of them who have moved that way don't last very long. Um, so I, I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not worried about that just yet. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you for that, Nathan Jones. I think we've all got to be pleased. That well, he exactly. Did. He was the last one, right? And I think he's basically true. ruined it. Uh, Frisbee 13, still a lingering feeling that this is a new team on a journey and we can still improve. What do we need to, from the window in January and what realistically can we afford? I think we need another striker. I think we need another. I think we need one in each position, as in centre-half, centre-mid, and a striker just for cover. Um, or a striker who's can start so other strikers can be covered. Someone like Kiefer Moore. John Walsh, only nine more wins and we're safe. Yes, my glass is still half empty. Uh, James Davis says it's happening, and he's basically said, who will be our player of the season? It was his prediction tweet, Perry NG. Tom Lang, two wins, two clean sheets, two solid performances, quality starting to show throughout and really putting some complete performance together. Great to see Ruben and Robbo in the goals yet. Has anyone checked to see if Nigel Pearson has stopped crying yet? Ben, have you checked? Uh, yeah, sent him a text. He's not responded. So nah. we'll see. Head buried in the sand, probably. Yeah. Brandon Arthur, Perry NG or Ugbo. Who finishes the season with more goals, Tom? <laughs> NG. Uh, Gareth Dunning, it's time to start believing a playoff push is realistic in January if we can stay in the top half. See nothing to fear in what was meant to be an impossible championship this year. My words to the fans is back them and be positive when losing, not just winning. Uh, Alan Griffiths, any idea why Errol isn't dressing up in his clobber for match days anymore? I missed the cardigan. Also, we are literally going up. Oliver Reese, last two performances outstanding. Ramsey, aside, this is our strongest team. Nice to see Pearson bit the bullet, and he spelled bullet, B-U-L-U-T, because you, you can't see the tweets this afternoon, especially after the comments he made about us. Uh, Rodri, Perry NG is the scouts, Roberto Carlos. Where will be the best place to view the promotion bus tour? Probably um, Lloyd George Drive. Is that... You know, down to the bay, maybe the fountains down the bay. I assume we're going to go down to Roldal Plas to have a nice little party down there. Uh, Lee Samuel, Bullet, just love him and what he's doing. If he can get Colwell to play like that every game, we have a player on our hands for sure. Jordan Reed, Perry NG being a set piece expert is random and brilliant. If there were three other random hidden qualities, football or not, in the squad, what are they and who they belong to? I'm going to say Gutas has an angelic soprano choir singing style. Um, I think Ryan Wintle is really good at Sudoku. I think he's just got a logical mind and it works. Ben? Um, I think that I feel like we should be doing like these looking at, was it your, the, your, date, your month of birth and year of birth? <laughs> sort of like a collaborator there. I think Jamalou Collins can juggle. Nice. And Tom? I think Jack Anrick knows all the US state capitals. 
<laughs> and you can read them in alphabetical order. Um, there we go. Dan Lowe, Errol seems to have galvanised the club. Players wanted to fight for him, even when they seem to be a bit off. Robbo and Colwell is put quality into the team, and we just seem to be a harder side to break down and play against. Not always pretty, but we're a bloody tough team to break down. Connor Gill, is it me or is, ooh, we got a corner, unfortunately getting louder every week. Uh, David Charles says, please discuss the Bass Pack Pass bollocks. Darren England's decision-making was shoddy throughout, to say the least. Just watch the BCFC YouTube clip, which said the same. It's not just us. Um, ben, was that the most obvious back pass you've ever seen not given? Yeah, and the justifications, if to say it, they were trying that. Um, Bobby Madley said it wasn't a pass. Yeah, they also say he doesn't touch dogs. So, what a belief. Good. Um, Matt, funny how he didn't score a set-piece goal while Ramsey was fit. And now, clearly, since he's gone, the emphasis has gone on to them. The danger has always become a reliant on them, but it doesn't feel like that's going to happen with um, Ramsey in January and thoughts as we come in through. Uh, Welshman in England, after Bullet has us in the top four in the Premier League, which countries are you looking, going, looking forward to going to for away trips? Tom, you're the European expert. What do you think? Oh, I'd like to go to a Kazakhstan team, to be honest. Just... Yeah, why not? Make it as difficult as possible for ourselves. Is that what you want? If we got European football, you want those trips? Yeah, 100%. I, I, want, that, I, I want that exact Newcastle group. Ah, uh, nah, nah. What trips they are, man. You're not going to oh. win it. Have, just enjoy it. Go to them. I want to be in, the, I want to be in Kosovo or somewhere. Definitely. Do they play... The Kazakhstan play in Europe? Yeah, they'll yeah. have a team in like the, in like the qualifiers, won't they? They'll probably yeah, play... Stand, I just, TNS have no, they have Astana. Oh, they do. Yeah, they do. I just thought they because they they you know they they're like they border into Asia. So I was just wondering, you know, out loud because I know Karabag is Uzbekistan. Anyway, uh, let's not talk about geography. Um, if you want to get involved, twitter.com forward slash vft ninian. Get all your tweets in. Um, before we move on to talking about Stoke, got to give a shout out to the women's team. Um, played at CCS on the weekend. They were on Scorio and they put a big numbers six one win. Um, looking back over their results in October, they've run every game they've played in in October, putting up some big results against uh, teams like Barry, against teams like Pontypridd, and they're playing the Jacks this Sunday. So good luck to them. Hopefully they can keep the Derby results going. Um, the manager's doing an absolutely fantastic job there. Um, all power to him. Moving on to Stoke, uh, rounding off the podcast. Um, away, gay, away day this Saturday to Stoke. Um, ben? Stoke are in pretty good form. Uh, last three games, they've beaten some big teams, Leeds, Sunderland and Borough after a pretty inauspicious start. Uh, do you worry about this sort of game? You know, no one likes to go to Stoke on a cold November day. I, I No one likes going to Stoke, do they? Let's be honest. Um, I, I felt I felt really smug about three weeks ago where I sort of put, at the start of the season, I put Stoke in danger of going down. Then they were sort of right down. I thought, oh, this is a good shout. I've had, I had a couple of dodgy ones, but this is a good shout. And then you look at the teams they've done over recently, like Borough, unbelievable form, like Recession and the Carrick sort of pushing their way up there, Leeds the top off, like pushing on for the automatics and stuff. I'm going, going, ah, oh, bugger, of course they're starting to do it just we're about to go play them. So, yeah, I'm getting a bit worried now. Um, it's not going to be an easy one. It's not going to be an easy one, Tom. And um, more specifically, Stoke is cold, isn't it? So how do you think our lovely Greek boys are going to cope with the weather? I think they'll do just fine. But I, I'm quite confident going into this game. Tell us why, Tom. Because, you know, after beating the likes of Leeds, Sunderland, Borough, they'll play us and they, they'll expect to win. And I think we tend to put performances in where teams come at us. So if they come at us, I think it open, opens them up to a bit of trouble. So I, I don't know. I, I'm on some confidence to get a win, but I don't think the, I don't think it's going to be like a comfortable three 0 to Stoke or anything like that. I think I think it'll be a really 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 tight game, but I think we could edge it. There's, there's, no, there's no reason why we can't we can't get something from this game. Um, ben, obviously the the team stayed relatively consistent for the last couple of games. Um, uh, would you make any further changes going into the game on Saturday? Would you rest Robbo? Would you bring Colwell in? Would you do anything else? It's really tempting to say. Put like as much as people don't want to hear. Like part of me is there going, oh, I'd put Wintle back in at ten and sort of make it shore us up and have like a foot two like two eights. But I don't know. I don't think we should. I think we've got like a bit of momentum going with this new formation with Robinson starting. I think keep it going and see what happens. You can always make the change later. So yeah, start with the team that started at Bristol and go from there. 
Um, looking at some some stats on FopMob, uh, please sponsor us. Stoke are the second most booked team in the league. They've had 38 yellow cards so far this season. Um, they have scored around 1.1 goals per match. Um, they have kept the joint 11th most clean sheets with three. Um, That's a really to us. <laughs> Sounds like a major start us. now. And... I'm just going on what FopMob's got, um, got, <laughs> got going on for us. We've kept five clean sheets, for example. We've had 25 yellow cards, uh, for example. I'm just padding out the end of the pod, Tom. Um, obviously, Tom, we're going into the final two games before the international window um, starts up again. It seems to be every couple of weeks now. God, who likes international football? Not me. I'm joking. Um, how important is it? Obviously, we've got Stoke this Saturday, Norwich the following Saturday, both winnable games. How important is it that we keep this kind of run of form going into the international break where we can have another rest? Yeah, I think it could be huge. I think we wanted a reset after the going into the last international break, but this time we're really building. And I think if we if, you know, get a draw away at Stoke would be a fantastic result. And then win that last game at home going into the international break and we, we've set ourselves up in a lovely, lovely position than going into the rest of November, December. So, yeah, I think there's such a feel-good factor around the fan base at the moment, around the squad, that, you know, it'd be ideal if we can get, like, four points after the next two, just to really, really keep it going. Right, predictions. Ben, what's your prediction for the player who's going to do the most dribbles on Saturday? Josh Bowler. Uh, He fucking loves a dribble. Um, And Tom, how many more yellow cards are Stoke going to get? Four. Uh, okay, cool. But really, no. Ben, what's the score going to be? Uh, I'm going to go... I'd be buzzing with a one-all draw. I think after everything that's gone on, one-all would be a nice little point. Tom? I was going to say one-all as well. Say something different. Okay. Uh, no, no, I won't. I refuse. I, I won't do demand. I'm sticking with one-all. Good on you, Tom. Go back down. Yeah, well done, mate. Thank you stood you, fast then. I'll say what I was going to say, and I think we're going to win 2-1. Um, right, that's it for another episode of The View from an Indian. Thank you, Ben and Tom, for joining me, as always, here in the virtual studio. Um, we'll be back after the Stoke game uh, this weekend. If you like what we do and want to give us some money for that, because we you know, we do it for free, ko-fi.com, kofi.com forward slash Indian. You can either set up a regular contribution or just do a one-off donation. We are still being nominated for the SCA Awards in a couple of weeks' time, so we could have some positive vibes sent our way. If you want to get involved in Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Indian. If you head to our Twitter page, you can find our link tree or you can go to viewfromtheninian.com for all the different ways to contact us. Thank you once again for listening and we'll be back on Sunday. They may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty, but they like to talk about Cardiff City. It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny and not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny and... Podcast Network.